Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! And today, uh, I would like to talk to you about uh, the energetic body. What is the energetic body? So your energetic body is your connective tissue um, between your physical and your higher aspects. Technically speaking, we could still say that it's the lower aspects of, of your body structure. It is entirely connected and joined in the hip with your physical body, right? Mm-hmm. So your, your energetic body is also a collection of all the energy from all of the sources that you could be getting that energy whether higher dimensional sources or earthly sources that enable you to survive in this physical 3d world so your energetic body is entirely entirely responsible for creating motion and movement right Mm -hmm. energetic body is when two primordial energies live the electric and the magnetic energies that uh are the two energy forces that move your physical body. So quite literally, your physical body cannot survive without your energetic body. You absolutely must have uh, one to have the other. Energetic body is also um, a complex construct. And we can think of it as multiple organ systems. So in the same way that your physical body has multiple organ systems, your energetic body has multiple organ systems that collectively operate as a a unit to get you things that you need to get for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Energetic body is also your connective tissue to um, everything around you. So it is your connective tissue to other people to the matrix of 3D as a whole, to your city, to your country. It is your connective tissue. And, and, and the first thing that people feel and see about you when you walk through the door, it is your connective tissue that connects you to everything on planet Earth, everything in the Milky Way galaxy and the neighboring galaxies. It is your connective tissue that connects you to um, the higher aspects of your guides. So um, quite literally... Uh, you would feel very isolated and unable to move or do anything if you had if you didn't have energetic body but also it is the first body that is formed before you come into into your into this existence right so you probably wouldn't even be alive without that energetic body what does it consist of it consists of cells 
And the function of those cells is to transfer energy, as in receive and give away energy. So at any point in time, you can imagine your energetic body is as a, um, you know, like a beehive. Um, and um, actually, almost like a honeycomb. Imagine a honeycomb. Um, so it has cells. And each cell is either empty or full. When it's full, that means that it contains the energy inside it. When it's empty, it means the energy is not inside of it. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's really ultimately, if we were to look at the energy body in its entirety, we would just be able to see a collection of cells that are either lit up. That means that they're at the moment are holding on to some type of energy or they're hollow and not animated, which means that they are lacking energy at, at, at this point in time. And then, obviously, all of these uh, cells and this organism is a very dynamic organism. It's a very dynamic body. So your energetic body is in a constant state of giving and receiving. Constant state. It is never fully giving or fully receiving. So you would have these little cells interchange interchange their state, go from on to off, from on to off, from on to off. And it's like a little factory, right? That keeps keeps powering everything around it. Now, where you're receiving that energy from, how much energy you're receiving, and what kind of energy it is very much determines the state, the color, the vibration of your energetic body. So you can almost envision that body being filled with energies of different colors, different levels of opacity or transparency, whether very clean aspects of particular energies are very muddy and dirty aspects of particular energies. So every cell would be filled with a particular energy. Right. So like it's, it's like a receptor. Every cell can only, you know, there are cells that are only able to receive one kind of energy and not able to receive another. And then there are cells that are chameleonic cells that can receive all kinds of energies um, and they can go with the flow and they can adapt. Mm -hmm. Right. So there are all sorts of energetic um, constructs flowing. Um, there are main types of energies that, you know, your, your body would be receiving. Um, these are electric and magnetic energies, but also these are the energies on a very rudimentary spectrum. They're either earthly energies or energies from elsewhere. And by elsewhere, we would mostly refer to higher realms. So your energetic body is, like I said, all of these cells combined. But then because your energetic body corresponds almost, I mean, it fits like a hand in a glove with your physical. A lot of the constructs of your energetic body are going to correspond to your physical body. So everybody is familiar with the chakras, or a lot of people are. So that is one aspect of your energy body and your energetic field, right? Mm -hmm. um, we have already gone over the fact that of, of how those chakras originally get 
uh, where, where that energy is coming from, right? Um, so some chakras are powered by your family tree, you know, the energies, earthly energies of your ancestral lines, and some chakras are powered by um, your um, higher aspects, your lighter bodies, and your higher self. Uh, so chakras is one aspect of the uh, of this fairly complex system. Uh, another pretty important aspect of the energetic body is the feminine versus the masculine aspect and, and, and how those energies are floating up in your body and, you know, where you're receiving your fem- feminine and masculine energies from, right? What are the sources? So... Feminine, feminine and masculine energies are present. So regardless, obviously, of your gender, you have both. Um, and if you'd like, we could um, stop and examine these a little bit closer, or I can keep going. It's up to you. Uh, I think it would be great to just maybe have a list, uh, like, yeah, the list of uh, things that it consists of, and then we can go deeper. Sure. Okay, so there are pathways for feminine and masculine energies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can, depending on whether there are blockages or no blockages, you can either experience a very balanced uh, energy uh, or a very misbalanced or even the lack of. Um, and then there is, of course, how the masculine and feminine energies communicate with one another, right? So they have connective points in the body where they come together. Right, so that would be an aspect of the uh, feminine and masculine. Other aspects of the energy body are connective points, points that connect you to the matrix. Those are specifically 3D appropriate points. Meaning if we were in, um, like... The, the way they work in 3D is very different than they work in, in, in other dimensions. I would say that in 3D, they're quite literate, literal. Mm-hmm. So you have multiple points in your body, almost like anchors, that anchor you into the fabric of the matrix that you live within. That ensures that you get fully grounded in this reality, that you're able to receive and give uh, out information into the field around everything that you are your hopes your dreams your aspirations your fears everything right so at any given point in time everybody who's connected to the matrix is connected uh, to the matrix via its ener- their energetic body right mm-hmm. so it's it's almost like you cannot fully experience the feeling of being alive in 3d unless you're fully integrated into the matrix so you would have anchors uh, and those anchors actually happen to be right most of them are right along the spine your spinal cord but then there are other anchors also that anchor you into the fabric of the matrix Um, again uh, so that you're able to exchange energies with uh, the people around you and also so that you're able to impact the circumstances of your life through your energy. There are major pathways through which you are able to receive and give away energy. And, um, you know, I almost see them as like 
massive highways, energetic highways, where there's a lot of traffic, where you're able to receive and give all kinds of energy. So you have your, um, you know, obviously the, the, the spinal cord, as we have already mentioned, but that's your chakral um, system, which are obviously giving and receiving points. Then you have very important pathways um, going up your um, up your legs, starting at the soles of your feet. So we can call them energy channels. Um, there are important pathways that are coming um, coming out from the higher realms through the crown of your head downwards. Um, and then there are channels that um, go up your arms, uh, but also entry points. Uh, in um, with entry points in your um, palms in the palms of your hands and again those can be used for giving or for receiving or interchangeably generally your right side is giving your left side is receiving however that you know there are differences um, there are exceptions to the rule and also if your body is in the state of massive receiving every chakra is going to be receiving energy if your body is in a massive state of giving every chakra is going to be giving um, energy away for instance like if you have a lot of negative emotion that you need to release right all of these pathways are going to be working extra hard to help you get rid of all the negativity that's in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is not bad, right? No, you always want to shed negativity. Right. Yeah, if there's too much. Mm-hmm. And if you're releasing, absolutely. How else do you think healing takes place? Mm-hmm. How do you think you, how, how else do you think you get rid of blocks? Right? Yeah. Uh, by the way, that would generally be done, uh, that process of shedding is going to be done generally through excessive sweating as well. So there are multiple aspects of your body that get activated. So your emotional body would also activate the physical body's uh, response to stress. So your adrenals are at this point probably hyperactive also, and you, you know, your, your sweat glands are hyperactive. So there are multiple ways that you release. Uh, on the physical and then your emotional sorry your energetic body is going to help you also through those release channels Hmm. Um, we also have cords energetic cords all kinds of energetic cords are part of the energetic body structure those cords can be positive those cords can be negative for example you might have positive cords going through to your body from your ancestral lines or friendly ancestral lines or mother earth um, that wants to support you in a particular endeavor for instance if you came with a mission that is a planetary type mission very often you would come with cords of supporting energy that you can tap into so for anyone who's looking at your energetic body who's a seer or who's able to perceive energy they would be able to pinpoint those cords that are going into your body um of different kinds of energies mm-hmm. and you're always actually um, able to see uh, on an energetic level if a cord is a giving cord or a cord is a taking cord meaning you know there are some energetic cords that give you energy some cords that take your energy 
For instance, a mother would always be connected to her child via an energy cord that's a giving cord. It's an energy that moves in one direction. That's part of your energetic body. The direction is from the mother to the child. At the same time, as a child, right, you would always have your own mother cord from your mother that gives you energy. That would be a positively charged cord because she's giving you energy, right? So every mother-child relationship, in essence, creates, uh, it's one cord, but it, it acts almost like two cords because on, on the one end is a giving cord, on the other end it's a receiving cord. At the same time, right, there is a father cord just as much. We know fathers don't physically give birth, but there is a father cord, right? Now, there is a father cord whether you know that the child is yours or you don't. It's absolutely irrelevant, right? So if it is your sperm cell (laughs) that created a human, you are, as a father, going to be supporting that child. Now we know sometimes, but also just like mothers, fathers can choose to be supportive or choose to not be supportive, or they might have enough or not enough of their fatherly or motherly energy to even give, right? So, and, and that's a whole other topic of conversation. So uh, energetic cords can be stemming from your relatives, from your friends. Um, there is all types of energetic exchanges. Uh, energy cords can be um, conscious and subconscious. So there are cords that you might be aware of, quote unquote, or connections that you might be aware of and connections you might not be aware of because some of them might span uh, or go back 10 generations of your ancestors. You know, you might have an energetic cord that connects you to a particular um, family line, a family tree, that that connection might have been made, like I said, 10 generations ago because somebody made a promise to somebody else or like a vow. Very often there are these, these like vows that, you know, we make consciously or subconsciously that, you know, our descendants then have to pay for. For instance, promises like I will never forget you or I will always love you. Or, you know, we could call them curses, like, you know, may your whole life be damned. You know, all of those are promises that we, we make. Mm-hmm. And, and they create energetic cords. And so at any given point in time, you might have up to a thousand cords that are, you know, either giving you benefit or harming you in many ways. Um, you can have energetic cords that are going, uh, coming to you from other dimensions, from, from higher realms. More often than not, those are helpful cords, but of course there could be cords that are also feeding off of your energy. Um, those, you know, it could be from other alien forms, other, um, planets. They can be from, um, source consciousness. They can be from your guides, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Another aspect of the energetic body would be how you get connected with egregores. Egregores are thought forms, for those of you that don't know. Thought forms, almost like collective energy fields. You can think of them as bubbles that represent concepts, organizations, and everything that has a collective consciousness. For instance, you could have an egregore of money or of health 
uh, or every religion has an egregore, every business has an egregore, every nation and country in the world has an egregore, your family has an egregore, etc. So um, how your energetic body fits into the larger en energe energetic structures of um, of the matrix around you would very much determine um, how you're receiving and giving energy. So there are some familial lines, for instance, that are very religious. And you just pass that on from one generation to another. Uh, very often for those familial lines, you would have uh, an egregore of that religious group right alongside every energy body that gets birthed, every human that gets birthed into that uh, lineage. So you would very often have a very well-developed cords between that egregore and, and your particular body, which could be in your favor, but most, most of... Um, most relationships between an individual and a larger thought form, a larger egregore, are not in the favor of the individual, but are in the favor of the egregore. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Um, I would say these are the main ones. What about like um, some kind of connection with the elemental energies? Yes, for sure. So we haven't really spoken about meridians because meridians is part physical, mm -hmm. right? Part uh, energy. Yeah. And it is almost like very like, so the, those elemental energies that you're mentioning, they live... Um, almost like in between the two bodies. Like I, it's really hard to place them in one versus the other, mm -hmm. right? That's why, that's why I don't particularly, I wouldn't assign it to the energetic body, but um, it's, it's kind of like the in-between. Like if we wanted to look at um, and have a specific topic around how the two bodies, the physical and the energetic interact, mm -hmm. uh, we would probably talk a lot about elemental energies. But Pretty much every human has, um, you know, is a is a combination of elemental energies. Um, uh, and to, to a certain extent, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you would generally have one or two prevailing energies. And depending on what energy is prevailing in your body, uh, what might be missing is, is the opposite of that prevailing energy, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, if your primordial or prime element is fire, that impacts, actually, you know, it, so it impacts both your very strong aspects and also your very weak aspects. So people who have a very strong fire energy generally have very strong uh, and overactive parts of their body that have to do with fire energy, such as the heart. You know, the, the circulatory system has to do with the fire energy. But at, the same, at the same time, they tend to be weaker uh, in, the, in the water element, mm -hmm. right? Which would be more of your kidneys. Um, so it, it is, 
basically a very easy like just knowing what you're lacking and and what um you have a plenty of could help you regulate your body very very easily however i want to point something out that um so those energies are very often contributed by um because they're elemental energies they belong to the earth Mm -hmm. so um very often how or what you are going to adopt as your own blueprint or your own framework would be determined by your parents so coming into this body you would have two blueprints of elemental energies available to you um, and you would choose to borrow um, fire is generally borrowed from the dad side mm-hmm. uh, Water is generally borrowed from the mom's side. Earth is borrowed from the mom's side. And air is borrowed from the dad's side. So in essence, fire and air are considered more masculine. Water and earth are considered more feminine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you would, basically as a child, you, you would borrow this, those energies from your ancestors, and you would come into this life with a particular blueprint, right? But also everything is a choice because your mom and your dad both have domineering energies. And it's up to you which which uh, blueprint you choose to, uh, to adopt. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the course of the lifetime, though, through your own evolutionary process, what tends to happen is those energies get very much adjusted. So which you come into this life is... 99% of the time not what you leave with right and um, this is actually where the greatest evolution stems because very often there is a misalignment between what your higher self wants and what aspects you came into mm-hmm. so your whole life would be trying to adjust your water element your whole life could be trying to adjust your fire element um, so very often the path and your, um, your goals in life are going to be determined by what, how you're trying to balance the energies in your body as well. Got it. Okay. And, uh, last time we also spoke about, uh, the concept of aura, the aura. So it's also part of the energetic body. Um, the aura, the way you would describe it, yes. Mm-hmm. When you uh, when you do aura photography, that's what you would be able to see, yes. And uh, what is um, uh, its purpose? Like, what, what's its purpose? The purpose of aura. Like, yeah, I've heard it's about like protection. Oh. Like energetic. Mm. No. Well. <laughs> all of your bodies are a form of protection. Every body that you have is a form of protection. Aura is not a body. Let's be. Let, let's just draw the line. And it's not even the field. It's it's your frequency, mm-hmm. right? It is just a visual representation of your vibration. That's your aura. Mm-hmm. Is it protective? No, it's your vibration. <laughs> oh, I see. 
<laughs> now your vibration protects you from not from attracting things that are not on your vibration. Yes. But no, the I would say just so like aura is if you try to leave 3D and just like look in the grand scheme of creation. In high realms, you don't have skin, you have auras. Right. So in the same time, like when, when you look at your physical body in the mirror, your association with who you are is, you, you kind of like, it's, it's skin deep a little bit. You're like, well, all right, this is my skin, this is who I am. In high realms, your aura is your skin. So that's what, you know, it's technically who you are because your vibration is who you are now. Because aura is connected and is a reflection of technically all of your bodies combined, but uh, it's just the, the higher bodies are a little bit harder to see with the naked eye and all, all kinds of tools that you have in here. Um, it is a reflection of your energetic body for the most part. And, you know, your energetic body, one of its properties and one of its functions is protection. Absolutely. At any given point in time, you have a number of both ancestral and high realm protective energies around you. Got it. I see. I see. Okay. And uh, in the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned that, like, your energetic body uh, is created first, right? During the, like, uh, creation process of a yeah. new human. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, can you explain this process? Like what, how does it work? And uh, like what powers, or like, I don't know, celestial beings or whoever manages this process? Like how does it yeah. work? So before a physical body can be birthed, you need um, an agreement. Uh, an agreement is generally between three parties. Um, and I, we're talking about creation in 3D, by the way, right? Yes. Because yeah. my answer would be infinitely different if, if we were talking other realms right now. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to explain what happens on this planet. Uh, generally, you would need an agreement between three entities. Uh, ent energetic entity number one, uh, the family tree of a father energy um the and the energetic element number two is the family tree of the mother energy so these two families need to want to come together in a human form there needs to be an inherent desire for both of these family trees to be connected in in a human that's why actually there are some couples that are having fertility issues and then there are some one night stands that produce a child so the number of times you have an intercourse with a partner is absolutely not correlated to how many children or like your probability of having a child together it's actually the the amount of desire for those two familial trees to provide and produce an offspring. You mean it's not just a physiological process? Oh my there God, no. That's what I'm telling you. It starts with energy. 
Right. Physiological process is not going to happen unless there is energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there needs to be an agreement of three entities, first and foremost. The family tree of the father, the family tree of the mother, and from the higher aspect, all you need is a guide because every soul needs a guide. You know, your guardian angel, if you will, but in the way I see it as a guide. So it's not so much source because um, that would be too, um, too low level for source energy to bother. But because every soul aspect would need to have um, a guide, uh, like a guide and, um, you know, call them intuition, call them guardian, that would, you know, be and provide those guttural instincts and intuitive hits. and uh, in general, 3D is a dimension where you need to be led by, by a higher consciousness. Nobody really comes here alone, so to say. So you need the agreement of three entities because all of these, right, there needs to be a desire from all three to bring new life into existence. Those are the creative energies. And of course, there is also the energy of the human that would be coming through this um, you know, like the fourth entity that would actually be that new life that would be birthed. But that new life, like their stream of consciousness does not enter the womb of the mother up until maybe month six or seven when she's pregnant. Mm. So that happens way later. And technically speaking, you really don't need an agreement of that, of anyone to, to create that life. Because there are many potential takers for every physical human body in a given, any given time. Uh, and sometimes those takers can, you know, like change, change their mind last second and somebody else takes their place. So three energies, right? There needs to be a desire um, from two familiar lines to create an offspring, and then there are many, there may be many, many reasons why that desire is created. It could be because together these ancestry lines would be a lot more powerful. It could be because one of them has what the other one doesn't. Uh, it could be because, you know, one um, is experiencing a particular cha- challenge that the other has already experienced and know how to help with, knows how to help with. So it's a little bit of a give and take. And of course, there is the guide. And in that role of the guide, it's it's both a learning role for, for the guide itself, but it's also a great service to the soul that would come through. So it is very much an energetic fuse. So those three come together, and they create a vortex, like a little vortex or a little spiral of energy that enables the fuse in the physical of the sperm and an egg. And then from there, that energy is what actually turns on the process of the multiplication and the division of cells, which is what you need to form a physical body. So it creates a vortex. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, that makes sense. 
So there's no no truly such thing as an accident is what I'm trying to tell you is because there needs to be full alignment. I mean, I guess now there is IVF. <laughs> so, uh, you know, couples that um, are not meant to have children or couples that um, are with their familial trees that didn't want to produce an offspring are forced into producing an offspring. And that's a whole other can of worms. That is actually not all that great. Oh, I see. Yeah, we can talk about this uh, later. Sure. And, um, uh, let's see. So uh, when we were talking about the physical body, it felt like um, it's almost like your, it is your ally, right? So you can touch it and it has, it feels your, the pain and you feel the pain, right? So you basically in this 3D together. Uh, is, it, is it the same concept with uh, the energetic body? It's different. What's your relationship as a human with the energetic body? Well, let's just say all of your bodies are your allies. Let's start there. But it's a very different level of commitment, mm-hmm. right? Um, your most committed body in the physical is your physical body. Um, it is the one that's always on your side, even when it feels like it's not. The rest of the bodies, and I, I want the way I say it, I want to be very careful. They're also on your side, but they're also a reflection of a lot of things about you. So that means that, for example, you could be connected energetically to an egregore that is detrimental to your body and is taking away your energy, yet your energetic body is not going to do anything about it. It would allow that energy to be taken. Do you know why? It's some kind of a lesson. Yes, because it's a lesson in gaining awareness. Because most humans won't be able to move from 3D to 5D to 6D to 7D, etc., etc., before they need to have a relationship with the invisible. Right. And learning to have a relationship with the invisible, in, in, in that game, all of your other bodies, specifically the energetic, the mental, and the emotional, are amazing allies. So it's all a matter of awareness, but it's also a matter of choice. Technically speaking, there's always some precursor. And and a lot of these negative um, type of, let's not call them negative. All of these aspects where you're giving away energy, most of them, are very conscious. And there was a choice that was made at one point by someone that enabled that exchange, right? Mm -hmm. Now you always have a choice to end that exchange. So, and if this choice was unconscious, it means it was made by the soul before the incarnation. Could be that, it could be ancestral. Oh, I see, got it. That makes sense. Yeah, a lot of unconscious things that we are carrying over are ancestral things. Yeah, not not just contracts. No, 
No. Or let's just say not not just your contracts. Okay, and um, uh, we were talking about like some kind of connection with the physical body, like how you can connect with the physical body. Uh, is there such a thing with the energetic body? Like, can you connect to it? Given that it has so many different layers and aspects. By connect, do you mean like can you really like yeah. establish a relationship with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a relationship and understand it, um, and uh, maybe like work together on like issues. Well, absolutely. But the, here's here's the thing: like before, like connecting to your physical is also not super easy, yeah. right? So you can connecting to the consciousness of the physical body. Uh, there is one consciousness of the physical body. That's easy. But if you try to study every organ, that would take you forever. So in, in th- from that standpoint, the physical and the energetic are not that different. Because you could still connect with the consciousness of your energetic body. Or you could choose to study its organs and its aspects. Such as, well, let me study chakras today. Or let me study... Uh, you know, my, my, my feminine pathways, you know, so like you could take it and befriend it as a whole, or you can befriend different parts of it. And I think the biggest misopportunity for humanity is to befriend the energetic body as a whole. Because what I'm seeing right now is a lot, there are a lot of humans that are all too worried about their chakras. And perhaps not enough humans worried about understanding their energetic bodies as a whole. So in the same way that you can have a conversation with your physical body when you have a physical symptom, you could have a conversation with your energetic body. Whether you have symptoms or you don't, it doesn't really matter. But it has a consciousness, right? Which is basically a collective knowing of everything that's going on with it right? And so you could ask it for advice. You could ask it what's wrong with it. You could ask your energetic body what parts of it are imbalanced and what part of it could need like an extra hand. In the same way, like I I would encourage you to have a relationship with every body of yours Mm -hmm. because they're completely neglected and uh, underappreciated. Yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, So can we maybe talk about the connection with the energetic body as a whole like how would you do this especially like given that um again like maybe i just don't understand this concept right now but um like it seems like it can be very easy for a person with some kind of clairvoyance like a very open third eye let's say right uh and uh it may be a little bit hard uh, for a person who doesn't have disabilities, and how would you, um, what would you recommend to the most of humanity? Like how how to establish this relationship, how or maybe how to start doing this and then progress gradually. I'm trying to think what would be the easiest way. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe 
another question, but maybe it's not connected, but the concept of the third eye and uh, how it can help you to connect with and understand your energetic bodies in general, like not just the energetic one, but the mental and the, um, and the emotional, like how open it should be. And uh, do, do you actually like need it to feel and understand energetic bodies or you can do it without it? I mean, it's just I'm asking that given that some people believe that it is closed mm -hmm. to a certain degree and it's maybe because of the calcification and it's maybe another conversation about like the source of this vision, inner vision. Is it in the pineal gland or somewhere else? And um, yeah, maybe it's too many questions. Mm, no, it's okay. So, you see, any type of connection to any body, including the physical body that you have, is going to require you to look within, right? Like, you cannot fully have a connection with your physical body unless you start tapping into all the other resources of your body that you didn't know that you had, all these aspects that you didn't know that you had. So... This, we I'm, call it an inner vision, right? Yeah, inner vision, yeah. transcendental vision, like there are many names for it. And, and when you say, like, most people don't have it, it's incorrect. So we all have it to some degree. Yes. Because if you're able to close your eyes and imagine an object, any object, an apple, an orange, that means you already have transcendental vision. Most people on this planet right now would be able to close their eyes and imagine an object. Now. How intricate are the scenes that you're able to imagine in your head? How vivid they look, whether they have a smell, you know, how whether they appear 2D or 3D or 5D uh, is dependent on how much you've trained that, that inner vision muscle, right? You know how you, um, sometimes when you do like a new type of workout, you wake up next morning and you have, like, your muscles hurt. But you have the muscles hurt in places that you didn't even know you have muscles sometimes. And you're like, oh, my God, why does this, like, little weird muscle hurt somewhere, uh, you know, close to my belly button or, like, under under my, like, right clavicle? And you're like, I didn't know I even had a muscle there. I didn't know I needed it truth of the matter is it started hurting is because well yes it was there even despite the fact that you didn't know that you had it but also because you know maybe you don't really use it in a daily life it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist but also it, it's probably not at its prime strength if you don't use it that often so let's maybe talk about the concept of that inner vision transcendental vision really quickly yeah. So if you're able to dream and see dreams, that means that you are you have the ability of transcendental vision because it comes from the same place. If you're able to close your eyes and imagine something, 
So imagination pretty much comes from the same place and leverages the same muscles. So yes, most people, 100% of people have that. Now whether, and and I think that's where the, the big breakdown happens. When you know, I could ask pretty much anybody anybody on this planet to imagine their own heart right now, right? Like their own heart muscle. And then I could ask them to cleanse whatever blockages or dark spots they're seeing on their heart, and they would be able to do so. The difference you would see between people is some people would think that they're playing pretend and they're just making it up and they're just imagining it. It's not real. And other people would have a weird sense that they're actually doing something. That they're actually, like, truly indeed removing blockages from someplace. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's just the level of how, the level of awareness, but also how trained that muscle is. Right? Because if you're training this muscle and it's so new, very often what you would think, it wouldn't feel real. It would first feel like, oh, I'm just making it up. So the more you train that muscle, the more you use your transcendental vision, the more you're going to be a believer that it's actually doing something. Now, it would do something regardless. So you're never, like, even if you think you're just imagining cleaning the blocks from your heart chakra, you're actually doing the real work. Whether you believe it or not, you know, you don't have to believe in the law of gravity for the apple to fall down from the tree. It'll still happen. Yeah. Right? I feel like I'm going a little bit on attention from your original question. No, I mean, it's still very helpful and just to understand the concept of inner vision. Yes. So I think you were asking how can one develop a relationship with all of these bodies if, if they're not a psychic. And the truth is you don't need to be a psychic because in this particular instance, you're working with something that's inherently yours. You're not trying to see into somebody else's bodies and somebody else's auras which you know by the way you also don't need to be a psychic to do that but it's okay um and now that the energies of the planet are rising more and more people are going to be open to things like meditation to things like introspection more and more people are going to start having lucid dreaming you know all of those things are going to just keep keep flooding uh into into the consciousness of people so i'm not too worried about that to be honest However, I think how I would, um, like there are two ways. Um, Maybe two, two things that I would recommend. If you feel like you're a beginner, I would start with what, um, with a, technique that's called automatic writing um so when you're trying to get to know your body you would just you know you'd sit down to write at a desk you take a piece of a piece of paper out and you would ask a question so you would write a question down from your own person from yourself to anybody that you're trying to connect to and by anybody i mean your etheric and (laughs) Uh, and and you're emotional, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you would be like, 
Hello, um, my energetic body. How are you feeling today? Right? That could be a possible question. And then you would put the word answer, uh, semicolon, and you would wait for that answer to come and would just write it down. Don't edit it as it comes. Don't, you know, just, just like basically let your hand write. And that is like one way to communicate with anything that's unseen. That's actually very insightful. And it works for about 75% of the world's population are going to be able to do automatic writing. It's not hard. Mm-hmm. I think what's more fun, though, is to uh, have a relationship in the meditative state because it could be more visual, right? So what automat- automatic writing doesn't do for you is it doesn't show you pictures. Uh, it only gives you words, which is okay. It's a start. Um Pictures are prettier, <laughs> and sometimes they're more, it's, I mean, hey, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? That's so I, I would actually recommend going to that route, despite the fact that you feel like you're incompetent or not a seer or not clairvoyant or what, what, what have you. So um, with that, you know, I would just first ask you to examine what your um, energetic body looks like and feels like. You know, you just want to first, like, look with that inner vision with your third eye, and we can talk more about that also, because I know that was your question, Mm -hmm. Um, and see how, how your energetic body feels. Does it feel hollow, or does it feel full to the brim, filled to the brim, because the first thing that you want to um, manage and the first thing that you want to get present to is how much energy is your energetic body able to contain. So if it is, you know, if the energy levels are very optimal, it would be like a luscious fruit, it would be very full-bodied. It would be very. Um, it would feel very nurtured, almost like heavy with like hydration and waters and all kinds of like flowing energies, right? Um, sometimes actually feels on the opposite end. It would feel like very dry and emaciated and skinny, <laughs> you know, um, like um, where. There, the flow is not there, right? So you would be able to quickly diagnose whether your flow is healthy or your flow is not healthy. Um, it is also, basically, if you look at your energetic body with your third eye, you would be able to see three. Remember how I told you that to form your energetic body, you need um, three forces to come through. So you would always have three humongous energetic cords, one from your mom, one from your dad, and one from the higher, higher realms, which we, we can call your guardian angel or your, um, your guide cord. Mm-hmm. By the way, depending on who your guide is, depending on your level, your guide might be source itself. So, you know, there's just so many variations. 
So what you want to see is how many of the three chords, so generally speaking, right, if, you, if you look at your body is a bubble, so you want to imagine your energetic body as a bubble. Um, the first chord comes from the top. That is your guardian angel chord. Your um, As you're looking at it, the left side is going to be your mother's energy and the right side is going to be your dad's. For simplicity, like it'll work that way. So you want to see how many of these chords are alive with a stream of energy. So they're sending you something. And how many of these are dead or gray and nothing is coming through them. So it's like a pipe that does not, it's like a dry pipe. You mean how many out of three? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are not, there are so many more than three, but everybody has three. It's just the teaching becomes really complicated from there because depending on a human, it's always this main three, and then it could be up to a million others. Mm-hmm. And then, or up to 300. So like that range is very big in humans depending on who is supporting them and who is feeding off of them, mm-hmm. right? But you want to at least always, always, always have a very healthy flow from all three of these chords. So the key to a healthy energetic body and and in from that standpoint, healthy physical, because those are tied to the hip, joined to the hip, if you remember, is having at least very three feeder cords, right? Because all of these three are your feeder cords, meaning there will be feeding energy into you. I guarantee you, if one of these is not flowing properly or is not giving you enough energy, you will experience either fatigue, uh, depression, uh, disease, or a combination of these things. Like there would be something, like you would see a symptom for sure. So if your health state is not optimal, it means that there is something wrong with one of these three chords. Not necessarily. It goes a little bit the other way. If one of these cords is off, there would be something wrong with your health. I see. But all these three cords can be perfect and you might still have a disease. Oh, okay. Does it make sense? Yes. Okay, cool. So you want... Okay, and then and then there is a whole other can of worms. Because I know you didn't want to get into any of the specifics around, for instance, the masculine and feminine energies. I mean, but maybe this is time. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that there is a flow of energy into your energetic body from your ancestral lines, does it mean it's good for you? Oh, it depends on the line. Yes. So you still need it either way, because unless there is a flow of energy into your body from your ancestors, whatever that energy might look like, and sometimes it's very dark, like looks like black oil, like very like yucky, uh, very high viscosity, like dirty type of energy. Trust me, you still want it because without it, you cannot live. 
If one of your ancestral lines removes that energetic cord, there's not enough to sustain your body and you, you would most likely die. It doesn't happen, really. Like once the ancestral lineages are on board, they are on board, right? It's, it's you know, they kind of commit once and then they for, forever until that person is alive, they would donate that energy. But depending on what kind of energy gets donated, you might be benefiting from it or it might be poisoning every cell in your body without you even knowing it, right? So you'd be living in a constant state of poison. So you're getting your feminine energies from your mother line and you're getting your masculine energies from your father line. So your body would have two, and those energies look like the spirals, the two spirals of a helix. So almost like a DNA strand, right? So they, they're like each of these, it, it's like a spiral up. You have your uh, feminine spiral up and your masculine spiral up and they form a helix. Uh, does it make sense what I'm yes, saying? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so remember, your feminine aspect you just borrowed from your mother ancestry line and your masculine from your, your father's. Very often, because of the energy that has been flowing in that family tree, because we are adopting that energy, right? So quite physically, it starts coursing through our bodies, it becomes part of who we are. We very often inherit the belief system, you know, the emotional aspects, the um, habits, including addictions of our ancestors, right? So we're pretty much walking copies of those ancestral lines unless we do something about it. Is it always the case? Like, you always inherit all these things, right? No matter what. And then you decide whether you want to keep them or establish new ones and get rid of the old ones. You always inherit uh, that feminine... So, in the if, if you, you know, depending on which mythology you would go, your feminine line would be called Ida and, and your masculine would be called Pingala. Um, and they're they're kind of like revolving again, like upwards, uh, like the strands of the DNA. And there, there's, there's also a symbol of like, you know, um, the medical symbol of like the snakes that are wrapping around each other. That's the same essential, essential symbol. So your Ida, your feminine, is always 100% borrowed from your mother's ancestral line. The same thing that she borrowed from her mom and and her mom borrowed from her mom. Mm -hmm. That is what you get born into. If that is a healthy feminine stream, if that is a healthy feminine energy, a balanced feminine energy. So it would be a loving energy, a pure energy, a nurturing energy, a creative energy. There are so many aspects of, of that feminine balanced energy. Then that is the energy that will be coursing through your body. If your mom's ancestral line had issues around femininity, certain parts that they suppressed or disowned around their femininity, things like abortions, um, I don't know, things like black magic, it could be just so much, or things like not feeling loved 
or not like being a mother and not being loving, like there's just so many things that could go wrong, you would inherit it. No questions asked. Same thing from your dad. And now we can go back into the chakras, but like your original chakral system, inherently some chakras are masculine and some chakras are feminine. So not only would you borrow your Ida from your mother's side, but you would also borrow your feminine chakras from your mother's side. So you are pretty deep into your ancestral line and you're very much a deep reflection of them. Now, mm-hmm. you also have higher aspects, right? So that higher aspect from up top, very often you are supported by masculine and feminine energies of the higher aspect. And they can make corrections, including your own higher self, by the way, right? Once you enter the body, you have um, a lot of help from your higher self also. So potentially it would be those two energies would merge, right? They would kind of like meet mid-sentence. But it doesn't mean that. And by the way, no matter how pure or wonderful or balanced your higher self is, if your lower feminine aspect of your ancestry line is very polluted, dark, disbalanced, one doesn't cancel out the other. They meet in the middle, right? So that's why it's actually very important to cleanse and work with your ancestral energies. Uh, Because ancestral patterns work like a chain, you join as the latest link in that chain. What that means is not only do you inherit all of these goodness, but you are part of the same network. As soon as you join that network, you're able to impact the entirety of that network. So that means that it is indeed possible for you to clean and clear the dirt, debris, blackness, a residue from every ancestral line that you would have. And the way you would do that is by calling in the higher aspect that is coming through your head, your crown chakra. You would always have a higher aspect and you can tap into the masculine and the feminine side of that aspect depending on which line you're working with. And you want to tap into that energy and because Remember how it's all part of the same channel, right? Yep. Uh, And you want to see that like the bottom of the channel might be black, but the top of the channel is white. So you want to bring forth a lot of this white energy and you want to um, create a torrent going from the heavens from up down that spiral into the earth through all of the roots of the family tree that you know that you're connected to because your ancestral lineage like it would go it would like energetically it feels like it goes right into the ground literally like the roots of the tree and you want to make sure that you allow that white energy to clean away every aspect of that tree The roots, the tree, the trunk, the branches, everything, mm-hmm. right? You want that energy to come through you into your familial uh, familial tree and clean every aspect of the tree. 
And then if you want to have like an even deeper meditation on this, you could imagine yourself in the field and you could actually look at the family tree and you would need to work with one at a time. You cannot do your mom's and your dad's side at the same time. You're just going to have to pick. Mm -hmm. Chances are, whether, given where the energies are at the moment, you will have to do both, one after another, or mm -hmm. like one uh, first and the other second. So you want to imagine a field and you want to imagine a tree, right? Um, and let, let's say we're working with your mom's line. Uh, you would want your inner vision to show you what that tree looks like. You would be able to notice what kind of tree it is. Is it an oak tree? Is it a birch tree? Uh, an acacia tree? There are many. Mm -hmm. um, then you would want to see how deep the roots of that tree go. You know, do they go really deep? That means it's a, you have a very ancient ancestry line. You want to see how many branches the tree has. Do those look healthy? Um, is the tree, um, does it look strong? Is the trunk strong? You know, everything about the tree would be quite a literal description of, of that family tree. Mm -hmm. And you want to see, you know, does the tree have many leaves? Because you would, in essence, you would be a leaf on the tree, mm -hmm. right? Does the tree have many leaves? Are they luscious green? Are they withering in yellow? Are they falling away? You know, is the tree overall healthy or overall sick? Um, other, you know, for, for the tree, for the families that are really, um, you know, for the ancestry lines that um, have a lot of black magic um, around them, you would see a lot of black leaves on that tree. And you would also see, um, you know, cracks in in the trunk and very often you would also see uh what like what something wrong with the roots of the tree so what you would want to examine is the roots and sometimes you would see an animal or some kind of entity like uh nagging at the roots or like nibbling on the roots like it could be a worm uh, or like a snake or something like it depends all of these are entities but like um this is all just visual information for you or sometimes like there, there are certain trees that um you know get polluted from from the top mm -hmm. happens all the time like it do doesn't just have to come from um from from the um, soil mm -hmm. right so and you want to feel yourself really connected to the tree because you are, in essence, just one of its leaves, right? And what you want to do is you first want to allow this tree to be washed with the most wonderful heavenly, heavenly rain of holy water. However you imagine what holy water is to you, right? If there is some entity some animal or some bird or something else that's preying on the tree uh you want to block access to that tree in whatever way that feels right to you for instance if it's a bird that has been you know attacking the tree and its fruit you might want to put a dome around the tree so the bird can no longer attack it um 
or you could, I don't know, um, scare the, the snake away if the snake was eating at, at the tree's um, roots, right? So, I mean, basically you call the shots in, in this meditation. Mm-hmm. And you want to keep pouring the white light, and it can be a combination of white and golden light, onto that tree for as much as is needed until you see that tree revived. So you want to take that tree from its blackness into its most luscious form. And you would see the black leaves starting to disappear and turn into green leaves. And, um, you know, you might potentially actually even start seeing the tree bloom, whereas it didn't bloom before, give fruit where it wasn't giving fruit before. Or some broken branches might, you know, be healed or reattached to the tree. So you want to leave it in the most perfect state right there are so many practices that we can go into uh around how you can heal your ancestry lines but this is just like one quick meditation that could help you remove like the major dirt from that tree because remember you are that last link in the in the food chain so to say so you get to impact the whole regardless of how deep the darkness goes and what you want to notice then is when you go back to your meditation around your energetic body is you would notice that for instance if we're clearing your mom's side that the liquid that's flowing to you uh, from that tree is a lot lighter is prettier is more vibrant um, has less muddiness and dirt and debris to it And because that is the energy that feeds you, your whole energy body is becoming cleaner, clearer, lighter, more pleasant to be in. And that would have such a deep impact on everything you do. Because as we all know, uh, we're connected. Mm -hmm. All of our bodies are connected. So it will have impact on your physical. Got it. So as I understand uh, the first step, connection with your energetic body and understanding it is to connect with this three major chords correct bring them up and um, just have a good connection with them correct and that would be the first step correct the upper chord is not necessarily it can be muddied because those are higher energy aspects so i i've never seen it black what I have seen it is blocked. So the only thing that can be wrong with your top chord is it can be blocked. By somebody, something, or yourself? Correct. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on this? Well, it, it could be as simple as in your childhood, you got really mad at your guide, consciously or subconsciously, and you decided that you're going to do everything on your own. Mm-hmm. There you have it creates a block. Oh, I see. Got it. There cool. are so many reasons why this could happen. Got it. And uh, it can be just a different conversation about the like techniques and meditations that can clean up the block. No, actually, the block is really easy to clean out. Mm-hmm. So you would just basically, it's it's like a... Th- you know, it's like a top on a champagne bottle. It's like a cork on a champagne bottle. That's what the block looks like. Um, so basically, all you need to do is examine what that block looks like energetically. 
and get rid of it. And there's no right answer of how you can get rid of it. You can take a hammer and just break it. You can take a laser and cut it, you yeah. know, like whatever way that feels right to you. You can take a, a bomb and blow it up. Or you could just take a, glo a globule of gold, a white light, and, and, or, you know, heavenly fire and burn through it. Like there's just so many ways that you can get rid of that block. And you, so once that block is gone, you know, you would see an opening. And you want to enable that flow, whatever color that is, every color is going to be different because heaven, heavenly doesn't mean white. You know, your, your top color that's coming through could be red and it's still the color from your guides that you're missing, right? So you want to allow whatever energy is supposed to come through from the top easily flow through and it, it should be a, a really, really substantial flow. If you're if you're doing it right, got it. That makes sense. All right, thank you so much. It's a it's a great overview of the energetic body, and uh, I think we'll have a separate episode about uh, all the different aspects uh, of the energetic body. Okay, so now I'm going to end our session. I'm very grateful for the information you provided us today. I'm asking the higher self to receive to where it belongs with much love and much thanks for the help and information it has been given us today. I know that uh, Maria is really going to appreciate it. Now I want all the consciousness and personality of Maria to once again return and fully integrate back into the body completely.